It's my privilege to introduce Tom Ruotolo to you today. We met Tom about 11 years ago. Um, many of you know we work in India. And we were there uh, at Randy Clark's crusade. Tom used to be the missions director for Randy Clark. Prior to that, he was a pastor in Connecticut, his native state, what, 16 years, I believe. 18 something. Anyway, he is now on a cutting edge course with God. Over the past 10 years, he founded the Power and Love Ministry, which truly is. We were there in Winston Salem for a day and a half, and truly it is full of power and love. It's the perfect name. Of course, that's the name of the conferences. He's actually, along with Todd White, leading the Lifestyle Christianity Ministry. So we're really grateful that Tom could be with us this morning, and we want to invite him uh, to come and bless us. Let's welcome Tom this morning. All right. Okay, this is working, though, so this is great. <laughs> awesome. Pastor, I forgot to ask you, what time should I shoot to land? Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> All right. About 3 o'clock then? <laughs> no. Um, it's really good to be here. I, I, uh, I've actually been to Moravian Falls a number of times. Um, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background on who I am because as I share a little bit of my background, you get to know my heart and, and why I'm going in the direction I am today because I pretty much only have one direction. <laughs> um, and it, it really is, well, let me tell you, I'll, I'll tell you my direction in a little bit. Um, I, uh, I, did, I, became, I grew up in Connecticut. I didn't become a Christian until I came to North Carolina. Uh, I actually became a, a Christian when I was 19 years old at the University of North Carolina Student Center in Chapel Hill. Uh, yes, I, I, although I had grown up going to church it never quite clicked. Um, I was like very curious about God in my earlier years, but pretty much thought God's far away. He's not really having any impact in my life, so I'm just gonna live for me. And uh, I, I got into a lot of things, but my, my life focus at that point was tennis. And so I wanted to go to a school that was a, a good tennis school and, and UNC Chapel Hill was a, at that time especially was a really good tennis school top 10 in the country so went there and made the teams a walk on and uh and was was doing well was kind of meeting meeting my goals and in, in my tennis my tennis goals and uh and then I met this guy named Carl who shared the four spiritual laws with me in the student center and it all came I can't tell you that day I I, I it's like one of those things that I'll, it'll, I'll never forget because it was so clear when he talked to me about how I could know for sure that God loved me and he'll love me forever, that I didn't have to be afraid of the judgment to come. Uh, and because I always thought it was, was uh, hopefully I, I was, was doing good enough to my, my good would offset my bad kind of a thing, you know. And, and, but I knew, I always knew Jesus was called a savior, but I didn't understand how much of a savior he was. 
and that he was uh, totally, he totally and completely died for my sins and that, that it was a free gift that he was offering me. So all that became clear that we, that we all know and to kind of almost take for granted for it. It all just became so clear and it was like this amazing message that day that I prayed right then and my life literally did. It, it went, it was a 180 at that point. And, uh, and so I began to just love the Lord and study the word and figure, and I thought, man, if this is in the Bible, what else is in the Bible that I've missed, you know? And I began to just throw myself into the Bible and, and uh, led Bible studies. I, I realized that I didn't know much, but I knew more than a lot of the guys in my dorm. So I just started doing Bible studies and I'd get together with Carl, he would do a Bible study with me and then I'd just turn around and do it with the guys in my dorm, you know? And, and uh, I, I just stayed a step ahead, you know? And, and it, was, it was great, I loved my time at, at, uh, in Chapel Hill. Uh, and then um, and went on, went to seminary and then uh, pastored in Connecticut for, uh, for about 15 years up there, thir- three in, in South Carolina and then 15 in Connecticut. Um, with two church plants, started a Christian counseling center up there that became one of the largest in Connecticut at the time. And, and so I was involved in pastoring, I was involved in counseling, and I, I just wanted to, to help people grow in their faith. But here's the thing that would became, was my, what, my biggest passion. It was, when I became a Christian, like I said, I was so excited at this good news. I mean, it was really good news. What Jesus did is amazing news. And, 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 I, and I just want to tell people this amazing news. And I, I found, and I don't know what your experience is, but I think anybody that, that loves the Lord and wants others to know this, um, you have mixed results when you begin to try to talk to people. Because there's some people, what I found anyway, was over, over the years that if people had maybe grown up, gone to church some, or or had some kind of a Bible background, um, and you talk to them, and maybe they were like me, they hadn't quite understood the message. They still thought it was about trying to be good um, versus being accepted and loved by him, and as a result, that changes your life. Um, so if you, if you run into those people that think that it's all about trying to be good, and you share the good news with them, then it's, they, they love that news too, and they come to Christ, and it's an amazing time. But if you, if you run into people that are maybe grown up in another religion or had maybe grew up as a Christian but then had some bad experiences with the church uh, and, and, and pulled away from God in that way, if you, if, or they just decide they're just going to be atheists or agnostic, they don't know. If you run into some of those folks, it's a lot harder to talk to them. Like, you can just talk to them about how good Jesus is and what an amazing Savior is and how he, he died uh, and wrote, and he's the only one who, you know, he's the only uh, uh, one out there that, that says that they're God, but he proved it by rising from the dead. And, and you, know, you have all these facts and all this, uh, the, the historical evidence of, of the Bible and all that, and you can share all this with them, but it just kind of goes right over their head. And, 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 or they just want to argue with you. You ever come across people like that? And, um, and or they just don't care. They, or maybe all they care about is just their life, their job, they're making money, they're providing for their family, their whatever goals they have in life. And, and they just really don't want to give you the time of day to, tell, to hear about Jesus. They're just not there at all. And, and so my, my, my passion was trying to figure out how do you reach 
people beyond just those that had some kind of Christian background? How do you, how do you bridge the gap? How do you bring uh, 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 somebody who's, who's a devout Muslim uh, to Jesus? How do you bring somebody who is in the new age and they've been studying and they love their crystals and they love their whatever, you know? And, or I mean, how do you bring somebody that is, is so, you know, involved in work and all they're doing is they're working, you know, 12 hours a day and they're, they're how do you reach those folks? And it really, it bugged me, especially as a pastor, that I felt like that it just, there was something not right about what, what was going on in churches and pastoring because I felt like, okay, this, this church is growing, but it's all as a result of the other five churches in the area shrinking because people have decided, oh, they like this better about that church, so now everybody's shifting from this church to that church. And, and it was like, what, we're just moving folks around from one, folk, one place to another, and, and a lot of you know, the advertising and what we do is, is really trying to reach Christians who aren't coming to our church. And, um, and it, it just, it, I was like, we've got to go after, when are we going to go after non-Christians? When are we going to do this? And, and so uh, the, my, there's a long search. At the time, I, I knew that God healed. I knew that God that was prophetic. I knew that, but, but I didn't see any models for either one, for healing, for, for any kind of power being able to use at a grocery store. You know, the, the prophetic model that, that I had encountered was, uh, uh, I know you guys have really developed it down here and the Moravian Falls is, is so well known for the prophetic and, the, and what God, the revelation that comes here and it's amazing. But at the time when I was, was on my search, I didn't have that model. I had people stand up in church, thus saith the Lord and this and talking in the King James. And, and I thought that, that's not gonna go over well at the, you know, at the, the grocery store or at the Starbucks or wherever. I, I, I don't, it, it, you know, it, I'm not saying it's not from God. I'm just saying it, it's not gonna make, it's not gonna help that person at the cashier that's checking the groceries, you know, or whatever. And, and, the, and, the, and the models that I had for healing were not that, I mean, it was, it was some weird stuff in terms of healing and, and people saying that people were healed and, and then you hear stories that, you know, that as people walked in, they gave them wheelchairs so then they can pull them out of wheelchairs. And I mean, it was, it was just, just the, the models I had were not right. And, and over the years, I just longed for how do we reach people with the gospel? And I knew that it had to do with the supernatural. I knew that's how we had to do it like Jesus. We had to do it that, that Jesus drew crowds, not because he was trying to draw crowds, but it was just the news. The Jesus stories got out there and, and, and they, they came because they wanted, they knew that there was something there that they were seeking for. And, and that's what I was after. And, uh, and so my whole search for the supernatural, for healing, for prophetic, for, for miracles, is, it wasn't just for that in, it, in its of itself. I wanted that so that we could reach the lost and so that it could bridge the gap. And so there was a long search. I became uh, John Wimber, uh, followed him, became a vineyard pastor and planted a vineyard church in Connecticut. And, and then when John Wimber died, I, I, I 
I thought, well, Randy Clark, he's seen a lot of stuff. He's going to Brazil. He's seen stuff, miracles, amazing things. Uh, I, need to, I need to learn from him. So I asked him if I could travel with him some. And he said yes. And I, uh, he was being a vineyard pastor at the time. I was a vineyard pastor. So I met him and did uh, just learn from him and trying to like, okay, how, okay, this is great. Praying for the sick and seeing people healed. And at that point, we were seeing maybe like 10% or 15% of the people healed and you know approximately somewhere in there but not everybody's getting healed and and you might think well why isn't everybody getting healed i don't know but i was really glad for the 10 percent you know i mean and they were really really glad you know when they were the 10 percent you know uh, and um so but i but i but i didn't just want it for the church i didn't want it just for us to heal one another I wanted it for the world, and, and yet there was still, um, I didn't see any good models for that. Matter of fact, we, on one of the trips with Randy, we went to, uh, one of my last times I was gonna travel with him, I'm still pastoring in Connecticut, and, and uh, meeting him, we, he was going to Brazil, so I thought, I'll, I'll join that trip, this is in 2000. And we went to Brazil, and I thought, the meeting that we had there, it was probably a room, maybe, Maybe, maybe one and a half times the size of this, but they probably packed a thousand people in it. I mean, it was absolutely, you, you couldn't move in it. And uh, the, I mean, they were breaking all kinds of fire codes. I mean, it just didn't make sense. But I don't even know if they have fire codes in, in that. But anyway, but they, but literally we saw in, in that, I saw every type of healing and miracle that I could dream of. I mean, little cancer, shrinking under in people's bodies and 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 those those that were paralyzed getting healed and walking and blind eyes seeing and deaf ears hearing and I mean it was it was just I I just felt like for my desires like I I could I I could die now and just go to heaven because I just feel like I've just lived in the book of Acts you know and um, but but after I got over that initial thing I was like hold it no how do we do this how do we do it uh, in the United States, well, you know, we're seeing it in Brazil, we're seeing it in other countries, but, but we, I want it in the United States. I want it, I want it on the streets, you know? And, and what bugged me was, I don't know if bugged is probably too, too strong, but it bothered me that we'd go back to some of these places, even in Brazil, and we'd say, uh, How's it going? Are you still seeing healing? They're like, yeah, yeah, you, you taught this healing and, and, and we're praying for people now and with faith and, and we're seeing a lot of people healed. And I was like, that's great. So are, you know, are people actually going out and living this out like in their homes and in their, their, their neighborhoods and things like that? Like, no, but they, they bring the sick to church and then we pray for them at church and, and then they get healed and then they get saved. And I was like, well, that's good. That's better than nothing, but... But it wasn't like it wasn't uh, it wasn't transferring, you know. By having the meetings, we were having healing meetings, but it wasn't transferring into everyday life, and and that's what was like. Oh, this isn't enough then, until it's getting into our life every day, and so um, so I'm 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 really trying to make a long story very short, but but we. Uh, I, there's this guy that he just talked about, Bill Johnson. He, he actually was coming on some of these trips with Randy. And I, by this point, I was helping Randy and, and planning international trips because we thought at least if we take people out of the United States, get them into a different 
culture and letting them see the supernatural, maybe we'll come back with more faith and see more here in the United States. And that's what was happening. So it was exciting. We were doing these trips. Bill John, Bill would, would come on some trips. I got to know him on those trips. And, and he was talking about how there's some students at his, their school of ministry that they started that were, were, were going to the streets. They were, they were praying for people at their grocery store and at the, on the bus stop and at the Barnes and Noble and things like that. And, and, they were, and people were getting healed and getting saved. And I was like, this is what I want. This is what I want. And, uh, and, and, and I said, Randy, we got to start a school of ministry. We got to start uh, something like that at Bethel. And, and he was like, yeah, let's do it, Tom. And I was able to have the privilege of starting Global School Supernatural Ministry and being the director the first year. And we had uh, 50 students. Lori is one of those. And, uh, oh, hey. Um, so it, we, we were just so excited about the, um, the, that opportunity. And, and I'll tell you, it was, it was with those 50 students that first year that all of a sudden my life vision, and this is kind of gets back to where I'm going today, because that, during that time of, of, of those, being with those students and watching what happened to them and watching uh, what was possible in a short period of time, I realized that this is what the body of Christ needs. At least a huge need, I'm not saying the only need, but I, I, all of a sudden it, it, it it kind of, it gelled, like this is possible. It is really possible for, for people's lives to be transformed so that everywhere we go, we are on the lookout for what God wants to do through us right now. And, uh, and, and it, I mean, this, the, 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 the testimonies that we had uh, on that within just even a, a a couple weeks of, of class and the going out times because we, 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 we built in these going out. I call them outreach times. Um, now I, I don't call them outreach times anymore. I call it practice because when you call them outreach, then what happens? You, you, you get together, you go on an outreach and you, you see some things happening and then you come back and, and subtly in your mind, your mind is very, Words are very important, what you call things. And if you think, okay, I just did my outreach, then what happens? Then you just wait for the next outreach before you do any more outreach. So I don't call it outreach anymore. I call it practice. Because we're getting together to sharpen one another so this will be built into our life so it will become normal all the time. And that's, that's my heart right now. I'm just, I shared all that with you to say that is my heart right now. It's, I love healing meetings. I love prophetic meetings. I love... I love um, what happens in services, absolutely. I have a pastor, I love being a pastor. But I realize that with the body of Christ is, I believe, especially in the United States, but I think it's, I've seen it now all over the world, where we're at is that we keep it to ourselves way too much. We keep it to ourselves way too much. We need to be, we need, we need to have, matter of fact, I got, oh, slow me down, Lord. Uh, there's like 14 different things jumping through my mind. All right, let me see where I'm going to go first here. There's, we need to do this as a way of life. Uh, I, I actually started, I was actually here in Moravian Falls on a retreat, uh, praying and fasting after, during the time that that first year of, uh, of ministry school was going that we started in 2006 uh, up in 
Pennsylvania, but we'd come down to Moravian Falls and we just spent a couple days here at a time, my wife and I, and we'd just pray and, and, and find out the next step. And I, what I was praying was this, Lord, ministry schools are great, but how many people can take a year or two or three year, years of their life off to go to ministry school? Some can, great, most can't. How, do we, how can we do this faster? And I felt like it was here in Moravian Falls that the Lord said, you can do it in four days. And he gave me the name, Power and Love, and, uh, and, 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 and he gave me the outline. That's kind of works for me because I'm pastoral but also administrative. And, and he kind of gave me an outline of how it should work. And we've now we just did our 100th Power and Love in Winston-Salem. In the last 10 years, there's been 100 of these. And I was at a point about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, before I started Power and Love, uh, just a, a little bit more about myself, and, and I'll be vulnerable here. Um, I had gotten to the place where I said, Lord, if I never go to another conference again, I'll be okay. I had actually gotten to the place where I strongly disliked conferences. I'd been to so many. And now, don't get me wrong. I, every conference, mo- everyone, awesome worship. Every conference, awesome teaching. Every conference, awesome fellowship. How could I strongly dislike conferences if there's so many good things, awesome testimonies? How how could I dislike something that seemed to be so awesome? Well, it's because of this, because I really wondered on these awesome conferences with all this awesome teaching, worship, testimonies, whatever, um, are people's lives really changed a week later from that conference? And I, my, the answer that strongly resonated me is not much. I, I, I felt like, and I felt like that actually those conferences could be, could be, I wasn't sure, I don't know how a way of measuring it, but I thought that even those conferences could actually become a negative thing, seem positive, but actually be negative because people end up just living for the next conference, the next event, the next worship service, the next thing, and they actually feel like that what, what it means to be a Christian is to live for the high at those kinds of services. And then in between, you just have to wait for the next high. And, and, and in that way, it becomes a negative because it becomes a, a really deception. And, and, and it, takes us, it makes us less effective in our everyday life. And that's why I got to a place where I didn't want to go to conference anymore. And then the Lord had me start a conference. I still can't believe it. But, but the conference that was started, I can't wait to do my next hundred <laughs> because I realized that there's, it's not so much the conference, it's what, what happens if, if, if we're modeling something that we're just sitting and listening and then talking about what we're listening, but, but don't do anything with it. We don't we just are hearers of the word and not doers, then that seed ends up, it actually just makes us prideful, it makes us uh, sedentary, it makes us, again, await, and actually makes us very experiential. We become, we, we become living for the experience 
rather than living for the fact that God has made us as supernatural beings with the Holy Spirit living through us, that we can actually make an impact every day and that's the exciting Christian life, not the fact that somebody else, we're hearing somebody else's testimony. And that's where, that's where my passion is and that's where we're going today. So if you turn to Mark 2. I'm getting there. I really do love the Bible. So I wanna, wanna read a little bit from the Bible. I, I just wanna warn you, I, um, I, I, when I read the Bible, I, I, wanna, I wanna make it as practical and as, as, um, as, as though I'm reading it for the first time. And I know this story, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've heard this story before and you've read it and it's really easy to read it uh, as though like da 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 because you've heard it before. So well, let's, let's just get right into it. Mark chapter two. Lord, would you just make your word come alive? Jesus' name. Uh, Mark two, verse one. And when he had come back to Capernaum several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there's no longer room even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. And they came bringing him a paralytic carried by four men and unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, my son, your sins are forgiven. All right, I'm gonna stop right there. We probably won't even get through the whole passage today, but we're gonna get through uh, enough that hopefully it'll, it'll challenge us a little bit. So Jesus comes back from, uh, he comes back to Capernaum, his home base, and, and, uh, and he was there, and he, was, he says he was at home, and uh, I, they wonder, we were actually just in Israel a couple months ago, and, and they showed the place they think was his home, and, and uh, they're kind of his home base there, and I was kind of picturing what it had been like to have this very thing happen. And, they, and you see, what happened was that people started gathering in, in this home. People started coming, you know, what, what, what happened was there were so many people gathering that you couldn't even get in. And you know why there's so many people gathering? Because they had, they had these banners all over Capernaum, revival at Jesus' house. No, no, that wasn't it. It was the radio. They were doing these radio ads, uh, that, you know, and they're giving away free pizza. At... I don't mean to step on toes. Anyway, I, I'm so for events where we invite people and have people. But you know what? We can do a lot of things. We can advertise and do a lot, you know, and say we're going to have this musical and this, uh, 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 this play, this, this thing, and, and, and we can do a lot of things. And all those are made. We're going to show this movie, this Christian movie, and, and we, we can do a lot of that. But I'll tell you, that cannot even begin to take the place of the testimonies that's supposed to actually draw people to Jesus. What drew people... To, to Jesus' home was they heard the Jesus stories. They heard the things that Jesus had done. The thing that's going to draw people is when they hear that Jesus, it's not because of, of this, we're offering this free, we're giving away bottles of water, we're giving away this. Uh, we, we need to serve people. We need to love people in all different kinds of ways. But what draws people is when they hear the Jesus stories, the our Jesus stories, the things that Jesus has done through us. That's what's going to draw people. We need to get back and make the major the major and the minor the minor. And they were hearing, they were, they, 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 they were hearing that Jesus was in town. And I'll tell you, when, when 
it's working right. When, when something is working right in a church and a community, people are going to be hearing not about the events. They're going to be hearing the stories about what Jesus has done. It's just, it's just it's, it becomes so subtle. It gets twisted so subtly. And we think that, okay, we're having this and this and this and this. And again, I'm not, there's not, I, I mean, Bible, that Bible camp that was just talked about here. I mean, that, that's awesome. We need to do those kinds of things. But we need to major where the major is. We need to, when we evaluate, where are we as a church? Where are we in our own personal life? We need to get back to, is, are, Jesus, are people hearing the Jesus stories? And, and so they gather together. And now, I, this is the part I love. I mean, I love to imagine what happened. I don't know all the details here. The Bible doesn't tell us all the details. But <clears throat> there's these five guys, one paralyzed, right? And four friends. I'm assuming they're friends. And we don't know what the, the conversation was like. But it, it, was, it could have been like this. It could have been the paralyzed guy. Hey, guys. Did you hear this guy, Jesus, is back in town. You know, he's been doing some miracles. I've, we've heard stories about other people getting healed. Maybe for the first time in my life, he might, do you think, do you think it's possible that I could maybe walk one day if he prays for me, if he, minutes, if he touches me, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it happened that way. Or maybe the guys heard about it. And like, hey, friend, Joe, you know what? We... We don't know. This could be going on a limb here. I don't know. But listen, we want to carry you to Jesus. We think it just might happen. I don't know how that happened. But some kind of conversation like that probably happened. And they probably got, oh, is this going to happen now? I don't know how, I don't know if they're next door to Jesus. I don't know if they're a mile away. I don't know how far they had to carry. But you know, when you're carrying a guy on a stretcher, a pallet, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's not easy. But they decide, we got we got to get our friend to Jesus. We got to get our friend to Jesus. You know, friends get their friends to Jesus. Friends get their friends to Jesus. Friends that you don't even know yet, you're going to get them to Jesus. I, 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 I love that. You know, it's just a wonderful picture of those four guys of, of the church bringing people to Jesus. And bringing the needy, bringing the lost, bringing those that are hurting to Jesus. And, 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 I, and I, I think about that, and I'm kind of put it, okay, how does this become practical today? How does this be, relate to us today? Because Jesus isn't, there's not like a physical location. We can't get somebody to Jesus' home. Uh, how, how do we do it today? Well, obviously, it's us, right? Uh, turn, turn really quick, turn to Luke Seven. This, this passage in Luke, I know it doesn't seem to relate, but it, it will in a second. You'll see. Um, John 7, verse, oh, sorry, not John, Luke. Luke 7. Luke 7, it's John's disciples starts off the verse. But Luke 7, 18. This is a passage about John the Baptist. And I love this passage. I mean, John the Baptist, I mean, he was, he had revelation from God, but he didn't see the whole picture, right? He, God didn't show him everything. God's showing him enough to know that that was Jesus, that was the Christ, he was the anointed one, and he baptized them, and uh, you know, some, of, uh, some of John's disciples go after Jesus and, and follow Jesus now, and John has done his job. He's, he's prepared the way of the Lord, right? And then things didn't go the way John thought they are gonna go. Then he gets put in jail. There's a death sentence over him. 
uh, listen to this. John, John's disciples told him, meaning John, about all these things, calling two of them. So John's in jail. John, uh, John the Baptist is in jail. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect something else? So, someone else. John begins to doubt. I don't know about you, but sometimes when hard things happen, things don't go the way you planned. Things, oh, this was not the original. This is, I was on a high there at the, at the Jordan River baptizing, and all of a sudden, this is a pretty big low here. In prison, they're saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die here. Uh, 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 I'm wondering if I got it wrong. Right? So, uh, they, so John sent his, two of his disciples to Jesus. When the men, in verse 20, verse, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who's to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Did you see what happened? Did you see what happened? Did you? It's really easy to miss this. The two men come to Jesus. John, uh, John's in prison. Are you really the one who's to come? Are you really not just Jesus of Nazareth, but are you Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God? I, John thinks he knows that, but he's not sure. He's kind of doubting now. Are you really who you say you are? And you see what Jesus did? He doesn't answer their question right away, right? You see what he did? He goes, boom, 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 boom. Healing, healing, deliverance, miracle. And, and then he goes back to them, right? I'm not, I'm not reading into that. He says, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had disease, disease sickness, evil spirits, and gave sight to the blind. Then he replied, he says, go back, now go back. Now go back and tell John what you've seen and heard. He said, all these things have happened. He said, blesses anyone who does not stumble on account of me. He's saying, John, do you understand who I am? Don't just take my word for it. Don't just go by the words that are coming out of my mouth. I want you to believe this because of what you see coming out of my life. This is how you know that Jesus is not just Jesus of Nazareth, but you know because it's, you know it's Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, the one who's filled with the Holy Spirit, the one who's working in the power of the Holy Spirit because of what's coming out of his life. You ever try to minister to somebody and they're like, and you feel like words are just falling down on the ground. You've got that person who's a Muslim, who's steeped in Jehovah's Witnesses, who's, who's absolutely a, an atheist and convinced that there's no God. They, they, they're not listening to you at all. They don't want, they don't want you to take, you, you might say that you're my friend and I've got to take you to Jesus, but they don't want to go to Jesus. And your words are not enough. I suggest doing what Jesus did. You know, when Jesus left, he said he was going to send another, just like himself. He says he's going to send the Holy Spirit, just like himself, he said. But he's going to fill you, and he's going to live through you. The same Holy Spirit that lived through Jesus, and that Jesus lived by, and by his power, uh, we get. And you know, it's no coincidence that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and was called Jesus the Christ, 
now sends another into a body of believers that he calls the body of Christ. You kind of got the same last name. We're now the body of Christ. You know what? I believe we can handle those situations. Friends can take their friends to Jesus. Friends can take their friends to Jesus that don't want to go to Jesus in the same way. Oh, you're not hearing my words. Hold on a second. Boom, 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 boom. We should be able to be doing the same thing as Jesus. Don't, I don't want you to go just by my words. I don't want you to believe just because I'm sharing with you information that I'm calling good news. I want you to go because of the same way. I want you to believe not just because of the words of, of that I'm using, but I want you to believe because of the power of God that's coming out, out of my life. I believe we can do the same thing as Jesus. It, make, it changes around your perspective. It takes away, it, 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 it changes our perspective from like, oh, I can't get through, I, I don't have the words. It, it changes and we can become animals with the gospel. Like, like so confident that every situation, I got this. No matter who I come across, it doesn't matter. I don't care if it's a homeless person. I don't care if it's somebody who's got post-traumatic stress disorder. I don't care if it's a billionaire that just loves their money. I don't care if it's a, a movie star or governor of the state or whatever. We need, to have as, we need to have confidence as Christians. I got this because any minute now, the boom, boom, boom is going to start happening through me as being the body of Christ, and this person's life's going to get changed. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. But what if, you, what if you really encounter somebody that is like so opposite, so, so against you? I want to share a testimony. I hope you'll make this yours. I've made it mine. I, I love this story. It's actually, we were in um, Brazil, and uh, a friend of mine was, was about to minister in a pretty large church of a couple thousand people. And, uh, and, some of the ushers came to him before the meeting and said, Pastor, um, we, we don't know what to do. There's some folks from the Macumba Center, the witchcraft center down the street. And they're here and they're all dressed in their Macumba garb and they're casting spells. We can see them actually just doing their, their, their stuff there. And, uh, and, he, and he, do you want us to remove them? And, uh, and, and my friend says, oh, no, 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 I'll, I'll take care of this. And before worship starts, he goes out and he, he says, listen, I just want to welcome you all. You know, to, it's so good to be here in your city. And, and I'm, I'm just so glad to be here. And I especially want to welcome you all. And especially want to welcome those from the Macumba Center down the street. <laughs> We're really glad you're here. And I just want to say, mention two things to you that, that are pretty important. Um, listen, I would encourage you not to cast spells. I would encourage you to stop that because we've prayed. And there's a protection here. And we don't want those things to come back on you. He said, but the second thing is more important. He said, the second thing is I need to apologize to you because you probably growing up, you probably realized that you were made for, you were made, you actually are designed by God for supernatural power to flow through you. And you looked around and you probably did not see that supernatural power in the church of Jesus Christ. And I need to apologize to you because you then probably turned to the next best thing that you saw power in the Macumba 
And so you began to, you, you began to uh, see that power and want it for yourself. And I need to ask your forgiveness that you did not see the power in the church of Jesus Christ. Is that some wisdom there, huh? And he said, but tonight, I believe you're gonna see the power of God in this meeting and you're gonna want to come to Jesus Christ as a result of what you see. And, he, and there, there was several that got saved that night and, and just gave up all their stuff and, and came to Christ. I think we should all take that testimony and say, that's mine. So that we encounter somebody. We say, no, the church is this and the church is that. And, and, and I'm into my whatever. I'm into my power. I'm into my whatever, my life. You know what? We can just say, listen, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that you did not see what Jesus intended you to see when you saw the church of Jesus Christ in your town, in your area, whatever. But here, let me have your hand. Because I want to pray for you right now. And so that you can experience the power of God. The way, it's, the way you're supposed to experience it. See, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be representing. Let's clean up what we did wrong, even if we didn't do it personally, but, but let's clean it up and let's say, no, the church of Jesus Christ needs to have the power of God in it. We need to represent, the, we need to rep, G, represent Jesus well and so that people realize, no, what they maybe saw before was not what they should have seen, but they're going to see it right now through me. You getting it? Amen. All right. All right. So go back. Verse, uh, back to Mark 2. Verse 4 and 5. And being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their face, said to the paralytic, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now, think about this. These guys carrying their friend get to the house. There's not, they can't even get through the crowd. It's so packed, so tight. They're like, what do we do? I don't know. Should we go back home? I don't know. Uh, we can maybe come back tomorrow. I know we're here now. Why don't we... Let's go up on the roof. Up on the roof. I mean, at that time, they had these patios, kind of up a patio area where they wash, where they bathe, and, 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 and they'd have these stairwell to get up there. And, and, and they, they uh, how, how are we going to go? What are we going to do up on the roof? Well, at least we'll be closer to them. I don't know. And, but they climbed up. They got him up to the roof. And they're like, what do we do now? Well, let's dig a hole. Let's get, we got to get our friend to Jesus. We got to. We got to get our friend to Jesus. I love their attitude. I love their attitude. Oh my goodness, we need that attitude. Lord, give us that attitude. We got to get our friends to Jesus. They tried, they dug down. I don't know what they were digging through. Was it mud? Was it a thatched roof? I don't know. But they dug a hole in that roof. And now here's interesting. You know, if you're, when you're just reading this fast, you can just really skip over this part and think, and just kind of go, and uh, you know, they had dug an opening, let down the pallet, and Jesus seeing their face said to the paralytic, I mean, hold on a second. Jesus is sitting there teaching, ministering, and all of a sudden, this stuff starts falling. Because when you're digging down, you're not catching all the stuff. And this stuff, this stuff is falling, and he's looking, you're looking up, 
and the, the hole's getting bigger. And Jesus looks up, and it doesn't say he sees the strange sight of a man being lowered down. Did you get that? It doesn't say he sees the roof kind of collapsing. He says he looks up and sees their faith. I love that. I love that. Jesus, you know, Jesus is looking through all the stuff of our life, all the stuff that looks like it's crashing down, all the stuff that's going on, and he's wondering, is there going to be faith in their life today? Am I going to find faith there today? He is so looking for faith. He's so looking for faith. Now listen, I have to tell you, you take this if it, if it, if you like it, grab it. If not, throw it out. But I, when I hear the word faith, I, I like, Lord, give me another way of saying it. Because faith can sometimes be nebulous. What do you mean? What are you really looking for? What do you, when you, you say you're looking for faith, I need something even more tangible to grasp onto on that. And so I put it this way. I think of faith, a definition of faith for me is that God is good and he's being good to me and through me right now. That's my, my own personal definition of faith. Is I, faith is that I'm believing that God is good and that he's going to be good to me and through me right now. Not in the future, but right now. See, because that gives me something tangible. I can say, okay, the goodness of God is going to not only be good to me right now, but it's going to be good through me right now. So I, in every situation, whenever a person, I can be able to think, God's going to be good through, to, through me to them right now. That's faith. That's what was going on. Jesus is going to be good to our friend right now. We got to get him to Jesus. We're going to take risks. We're going we're to go out of our way. We're going to get our friends in Jesus because, and, and I'm going to step out and pray for them because I know the goodness of God is going to happen right now. We're going to see it. We're going to see it on display. We're not just going to sing about it. We're going to have another testimony right now, even before it happens. You follow me? We have that kind of perspective everywhere we go. There's going to be amazing things that we're going to see happen. We're going to go from faith to faith to faith. Jesus is looking through all that. And he's looking for faith. He's looking through the stuff of our life. Right now, you could be going through a hard time. Jesus is looking for faith. Do you really believe? He's, he's being good to you. you. The enemy's trying to beat you up, but he's going to be good to you. He's going to take that. If you can receive it, he's going to turn that around. And he's going to be good to you and through you. And, and he's going to turn around so that, so that he's going to be more glorified through you. Whatever it is, just hold on to that right now. One other point. So, so friends get their friends to Jesus. Jesus is looking for faith. But here's one other thought. If you were there that day, I mean, you got up early. You packed your lunch. Like, I'm going to go see Jesus. You actually got there. You were in the second row. And you're there. And at any moment, I'm going to get Jesus to pray for me. I mean, you knew this was going on. And then all of a sudden, you're feeling something dropping down your head. What is that? What is going on? And you see this hole, and you see these guys up there, and what, what are these, these idiots, what are they doing? They're cutting in line. Right? I would 
thought it. Maybe you wouldn't have. You're probably more spiritual than that. They're cutting in line. Come, what is going on here? Who's going to pay for that roof? You know, sometimes faith really looks like stupidity. I mean, I, I have no idea that, that, that you were just talking about the grave soaking and stuff like that. I don't think I can. It's not where I'm at. <laughs> I'll put it that way. It's not where I'm at. It's a good way to put it. But you know what? I just, the fact that people want more of God and want more, I sure hope it's coming out of the right motivation. I sure hope that the desire for the anointing is, is going to, I hope it's going to be used for the right purposes. I hope it's not going to get off on some strange tangent where we're digging up graves. I don't know. But, but I do know that faith often does look like stupidity. Hear me right, not every stupid thing we do is faith. Sometimes we gotta get credit where credit is due. You know, I read this passage and I think, you know, all my life, I'm growing up, learn, you learn things, you learn like, how to talk so you don't sound stupid. How to dress so you don't look stupid. How to put on certain cologne or wood, you know, antiperspirants so you don't smell bad. So you don't stand out, you know. And then the Bible comes along and you got this preacher up there saying, you know what, if you're gonna live by faith, you might look stupid. It's like it goes against the grain of everything we've been trained in, everything we've been schooled in, everything we've been trying not to be. But yet we need to be ready to feel stupid. To feel like, I'm going to be a fool for Christ right now. It's, again, I... And it, it, we need to test it because sometimes we do silly things and we realize, okay, that didn't go over right. That, w that probably wasn't God. I'll take credit for that one. Uh, but there's times we step out. I mean, I mean, think about what... I'm not promoting his method here, but John 6, 9, sorry, John 9, 6, Jesus spit on the ground, put mud on the guy's eyes. Uh, John, Mark 7.33, he put his fingers in his ears and he spit, he put saliva on his tongue. I, I, I don't understand everything that Jesus did. I, I just know that he didn't have a method. He had a method of, of wanting to minister to that person in front of him. He wanted to love on that person in front of him and he was, he was doing, I don't understand all the reasons he did what he did, but I know he was caring for that one in front of him no matter what. I, I love doing what we're doing in Power and Love. I love the fact that this week, literally, I mean, there was 1,800 to 2,000 people going out on the streets six times. And all over, within blocks and blocks and blocks of that 
uh, Benton Convention Center, all over uh, during our breaks, there are people getting prayed for on every street corner, on every, in every shop, in every uh, store. It, it was absolutely incredible. And there were not just hundreds, but thousands of testimonies. Thousands of opportunities. Healings were incredible. The, healing, the, the, the people were, were so surprised. I love it when the person praying who hadn't done this before prays for somebody else, steps out of faith. They see them healed, and they're more surprised than the person they prayed for. I love that. I love it. It was happening all over town. I love this stuff. I love, I love seeing the supernatural happen because it's now my, my heart's desire, the thing that I, I was wanting for years and wanting to figure out, I now see. It's, it's not only in, within, in reach, it's actually happening in the body of Christ around the country and around the world. We were just in, we were just in uh, Jerusalem. We had a Power and Love Jerusalem two months ago. <laughs> Make me cry. Because a guy that we know very well and has been there, he's lived there for 15 years now and he's, he's, he's Jew, Messianic Jewish and um, he, he's, he's done a lot of studying on Jewish history. And he said, you know, Tom, there's been a lot of groups in, in Israel. There's been a lot of evangelism that's gone on in Jerusalem. He said, people going out and talking about Jesus he said, but I don't think in 2,000 years there's been 200 to 250 people hitting the streets with both a power and a message since the time, since probably around 70 AD when there was the dispersion happened. He said, I don't, I, he says, if it happened, I don't know, I, I don't know, but I've not read anything like this happening. There were so many healings. It was like God was like, he, he it was like, Power and love on steroids. I mean, literally, it was so many healings. They were, the, the Messianic Jews, the, the, the Arab Christians, they were like being so surprised at how fast people were getting healed, people were getting saved. It was like one after another, after another, after another, after another. This, um, this one shop owner, he says, I've now lived here 23 years. And he says, I minister only, I minister only when it's safe. He said, I've ministered only when I think the person really is open and wants to talk about Jesus. They're either Christian or they're right on the verge of becoming a Christian. He said, I won't, he said, I'd never tend to step out to talk to a conservative Jew uh, who might persecute me. I might not, I would never step out to talk to somebody who I knew was a Muslim. He said, it was just too threatening to me. He said, but I've seen in these last four days more healing and salvations than I've seen in my 23 years. He said, I've realized that my lack of boldness and my lack of confidence in what God would do has been holding me back. And he said, I'm now going for it. And I've now gotten testimonies from him and from others that it's happening. Can, can, we're hoping that the seeds that were sown there are going to grow and that there, these 20,000, uh, they estimate there's 20,000 Messianic Christians in, in uh, uh, Jewish Christians in, in the Holy Land. We're just believing that, that there's a seed there that's gonna happen and things are gonna start happening. It's the testimonies are going out from, the, from what we did a couple months ago. It's just, it's just amazing. But here's the thing. I've, so we've seen, we're seeing it happen all over the world. We're seeing it happen 
in the United States, we're seeing there is no difference now. Wherever we go, it's always the same. And I say that to encourage you to say, in this place where there's been so much revelation and so much uh, download of, of what the Holy Spirit has done over the years, is it happening here? My brothers and sisters, is it happening here? Is it happening through your life? Don't just let the church do it. Don't just let the pastor do it. Is it, are you guys saying, I am jealous. It needs to happen through me. It needs to happen through me. It, and, and here, if, and if, you, if you're deciding that today, if you're saying, this needs to happen through me, I, everywhere I go, I want to see the supernatural. I, see, I want the Lord to be looking at me and say, I found faith there. I found, I'm seeing your faith. Even though there's a lot of stuff going on in your life, I see your faith today because you're stepping out and you're believing. I'm going to use you today. And it, lives are going to be transformed today. And if you have that perspective, let me just share, just say one last thing. When we're doing this, don't just pray, Lord, I want to see miracles today. It, it, that's, a, that's a good prayer. It's a, it's, I mean, pray it, but follow it with something like, but Lord, I want to come out. I want to learn how to love. I don't want to just see the miracles. I want to love that person. Whether I see a miracle or not, I want that person to know that they've been loved today. Because when it comes out of love, when it comes out of love, it's really amazing. Like, they won't, they won't think you have some other agenda to get them to church, to get them to pray a prayer. They will be pleasantly surprised that a Christian approached them with no agenda other than just to care for them. They may still not like it. They may still say, get away from you. But it will leave a seed in their mind. And it will begin to tear down that wall of anger, of bitterness, and they'll be able to sense the Lord in you. I encourage you to, to just to put on love, first of all, and say, Lord, let me be... I'm going I'm to say, this is worth writing down. This is worth writing down. You, you, can, remember, you can remember it, write it down later if you don't have paper. 1 Corinthians 13 is right between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Wow, that's really profound, Tom. Thank you for sharing that. Wow, that just blew me away. I mean, the two big chapters on the gifts of the Spirit, right in between, not by coincidence, is the chapter on love. You want to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that it's kind of like way, Paul's way of saying, you want to flow in the gifts of the Spirit, focus on love. And you'll flow like never before. Because all of a sudden, it won't be about you getting the testimony. It won't be about you. It'll be like, Lord, you love this person in front of me. Whenever you're unsure of what you're going to say, whenever you're like, oh, I don't know. I know I should step out. I don't know what to say. Uh, you know what? Just go back to the Lord. You love me and you love this person in front of me. And all of a sudden, when you focus on love, all of a sudden, you'll realize what to say. All of a sudden, you'll be talking. And, and it'll, be, it'll be amazing. The things will come out. You, you will, you'll be operating at a higher level of the prophetic when you focus on love. You're going to want to take notes on yourself. You're going to be like, wow, that was so amazing what came out of my mouth there. I mean, I, 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 I need to remember that. I should have had my recorder with me, you know. I mean, seriously, it will, it will, we've seen it happen so many times. The focus on love to sit in your heart on love and say, God, every single person, you love this person in front of me, 
whether they're, I'm not gonna just use them to have them, you know, scan my groceries. I'm not just gonna use them to, to, to you know, when I'm talking to somebody on the phone to, to make a reservation or to do this or do that. I'm gonna love this person who the Lord has put in front of me. I'm gonna be, and the Lord's gonna find faith in me today because he's gonna, he's gonna be, I'm gonna be loving by faith and then I'm gonna be expecting the miraculous by faith. And, and, there's gonna, and then you're gonna apologize for when they come against you because they've been, mis, Christianity's been misrepresented to them and you're gonna apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry you experienced that. Come on, let me have your hand. I believe Jesus wants to show you himself right now. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. Just take a minute right now, just between you and the Lord. What, was there something here that the Holy Spirit spoke to you about? What, is there something here that need to just kind of deal with you and the Lord with right now that you say, Lord, I don't want to forget this. I, this is important for me right now between me and you and what you're doing in my life. Could we, um, I see the worship team's coming back and I was actually wondering, would, would you mind if we sang that, the last song that we sang? Can we sing that again? I, I don't even remember the name of it. I mean, I, I remember what was going on in me. Huh? Worthy of it all, yes. Yeah, could we sing that again? You know, one thing that I love to pray over myself is Lord, I wanna be always the same. As we're singing this song, you're worthy of it all. I, I want us to be like, Lord, I want, to have the same kind of passion to see you glorified as I sing the song here, as whether I'm, I'm in a market, when I'm in business, when I'm at work, when I'm uh, a student in class, whatever. I, wanna, I want the same kind of passion to, to control my life all the time. I wanna be always the same. I wanna have the rest of my life rise up to the level of, of emotion and passion. I wanna give glory to him as we have right now. So. Would you want, is that okay, Pastor? Let's, let's, let's sing together. Hallelujah.